they're trying to add the Illuminati to um to the uh, to Marvel Studios. I don't know if they're gonna do it as a series or a movie or whatever. Uh, did you did you really like those those books? Because I've been trying to delve into them lately. Um, honestly, Anthony, I don't even know if I've ever read like maybe I've read an issue or two because mm-hmm. somebody was in it um, that I was like researching, but I don't think I've read it like read that whole thing oh, all the way through. But now yeah. that you've mentioned it, then that's something that I'll get into. Maybe we can just get into period because um, yeah. Okay, that because I was planning for that to be one of my uh, future picks, um, and I was looking, and I say, oh, okay, so we got we got this little group here of all the uh, all the egoholics, including Charles. Oh wait, time out. Is this um during um, I guess when Thanos took over, uh, well not took over, but like Thanos was like fucking some shit up, and the Black Order were involved, and um, T'Challa and all them set this up. Like so, I think Hickman did Hickman write this because if so then yes I have read it and it's a lot. See I don't know if you're talking about the the book Infinity when he's looking for his son, uh, Thanos is looking for his son. Um, no, not that one. Okay, um, this particularly it looks like this this Illuminati thing spawns off uh, to Civil War. Yep. Okay. To Secret War to World War Hulk like all that stuff is. Right. All is intertwined. Um, so Infinity is some is Infinity a part? New Avengers Infinity is that a part of it too? You know, I, it probably is because there's a lot of Namor, Black Panther, uh, Iron Man interactions in that. So. Okay, I felt so. Then maybe I have. Read, I think I well Marvel dot com. I mean Marvel Unlimited is telling me that I've read it. So. What's the <laughs> but anyway yes yes either way um we can get into it welcome to marvel did what episode three part of the marvel cinematic university umbrella i'm one of your co-hosts anthony canton the third also here with my co-host Stephanie Williams. Stephanie, how you doing today? I'm all right. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm managing. Happy to be back for another episode here. And today we're going from breakups to bar fights in Uncanny X-Men number 183. He'll never make me cry. Uh, colorist Glennis Oliver, inker Dan Green, letterer Tom Orzechowski, penciler John Romita Jr., writer Chris Claremont. So. Um, as I alluded to at the end of last episode, uh, this particular story took me back to when I was younger, and I read it really, really young. So I didn't understand a lot of the, the a lot of the whole relationship dynamic. I was just there for Colossus and the Juggernaut fighting in a bar. That was probably <laughs> the <laughs> that's what, what I was thinking about in my youth. But as I read this now. It presents a completely different um, outlook and a different uh, story. Very deep, very deep and very uh, uh, tension-filled story, uh, relationship-wise. Uh, Colossus breaks up with Kitty Pride after falling for, oh, forgive me if I mispronounce this, I don't even know who this is, Zaji's a healer during the Secret War. And even with uh, Zaji's dying, uh, Colossus breaks up with Kitty in the most cold, honest 
but really cold as hell way you could ever break up. I mean, it's, he turned into steel um, with his with his words and his feelings because that's what it felt like. Yeah, it was a lot, man. It was a lot. And then it ends up with Logan and Nightcrawler taking Colossus out for some drinks and a piece of Logan's mind. And then, obviously, we show Kitty dealing with the aftermath of the breakup. The Juggernaut is at the bar and Colossus accidentally starts a fight with him the battle ensues and uh, Wolverine refuses to get involved which is one of the best parts of the book and explains why after Peter gets his ass handed to him I, I, I this was really really interesting um, in a lot of levels so this was your first time reading it correct surprisingly yes and I don't even know how I missed this one but yeah it was my first time reading it so so what were what were some of the general things that you took from this story Okay, so for one, I loved it um, for a couple of reasons. Um, well, number one is Wolverine being a dad. Like, uh, you get to because, like, oftentimes people bring up Storm being the mom of the X Men, but um, if she's the mom, then Wolverine is definitely the dad. And I just kind of love that uh, when you get to see those moments uh, with yeah. him like that. So that was a plus. Um, also, it made me want to go back and read Secret Wars again because I remember none of that like I forgot <laughs> that the X-Men were even there but yeah they totally were there so um, it made me want to go back and read that and then man I it also made me think about insurance uh, to be quite honest uh, and, <laughs> and business insurance uh, to be more specific because Wow, you know, a world full of superheroes, you you need insurance. You really honestly do because this guy's bar is decimated. It's actually a miracle they didn't destroy the entire block. I know. And shout out and shout out to Wolverine uh and Juggernaut to put in uh, some money together to help <laughs> the dude pay for for all the damages. So it was pretty funny. Um it it's interesting cuz like, you know, focusing primarily on Colossus and uh, and Kitty I didn't realize that their relationship was that deep. I know I had, I know they had a relationship for like a little while, and then obviously they break up here and they become uh, close friends uh, later. I think just that conversation to start the book off really sets the tone for just a very emotional uh, type of story and really a philosophical one because uh, Colossus is coming off as this really like. I fell in love with this other girl, and then I just, even though she died, I realized that I'm just not interested. And, yeah, you would love for somebody to be honest with you in in any type of relationship, for sure. But in this instance, it's just, like you said, it came off so, like, unfeeling. It was so robotic. Um, And the way that Kitty internalized that, and... We would reread her thoughts, and she just put on such a brave face. Uh, wh- what did you think of that that opening salvo? I mean, my lord, um, <laughs> like it just um, <laughs> just like really, really <laughs> serious, and it made me forget for a moment that both Kitty and Colossus are pretty young. Um, Kitty, especially because she's only fourteen, and but. Yeah in this moment I kind of forget this and I'm just like oh my god like are they like in their mid 30s or 40s and like realizing that this marriage has been a sham this whole time because it's the way that it felt 
Yeah. Um, and also for just Colossus, uh, just his character in general, um, I don't know if I had ever encountered him in this way in the comics yet. Or maybe I had and just forgot about it. But he was just always somebody who, even though he could turn to, um, you know, steel or whatever, um, he was still, like, very warm. Like, yeah. you never felt like he could be this cold-hearted. Um, but in this moment, I'm just like, wow, I thought I knew you, but I obviously had no idea because I I didn't see this coming at all. And that's why I'm just like, I definitely got to go back and read... Um, Secret Wars because <laughs> what like what did this woman do and then also made me think for, fast forwarding to X-Men Go when Kitty and Colossus end up not getting married because she phase shifts her hand mm-hmm. uh, as he tries to put the ring on and it made me think of that and I was like okay now I fully understand I, I totally understand why you did that even though this happened many years ago, but also like I, I get it now. Like I get how complicated y'all's relationship has been. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, like I'm looking at some of this text right now, and you know her, her thoughts. She's trying to find, like the not only the silver lining, but the, but just the way to kind of forgive it all, which is, you know, weird because you could see that obviously she's hurting, but she's hiding it. And then she goes, I'm sorry for your loss, Peter. She must have meant the world to you. And then he goes, as much as you once did. And I'm like, what? She goes, once? And um, (laughs) I would give anything for this never to have happened. I did not mean it. I did not want it. But it has, Kitty. And and it's just like, I I just can't commit to you anymore, basically, he goes. And it's just, you don't, you don't really see that, um... You don't see that in real life like that. And you don't see that, especially in the book. So it really threw me for a loop. Um, it, was there any was there any character besides these two that stood out to you? Or, or do you want to analyze Kitty? Because we don't see a lot of her after, this, after these uh, opening pages. Um, we do see her for a couple of pages being consoled by Storm and Colossus' sister. Um, anything about the way that she handled the whole situation so professionally and and honestly it's just like with a lot of <laughs> no pun intended with a lot of pride I I guess uh, more respect to her uh, because again realizing that she's only 14 I'm just like wow so being an X-Men really does mature you at a at a <laughs> very fast rate um <laughs> Because, like, I couldn't even imagine, uh, one, caring so deeply for somebody like this at 14, but also having to go through this very adult-like conversation, a, a conversation that adults can barely have, not yeah. this level of realness. So, um, if anything, like, my respect for Kitty definitely went up, and I, again, like, the way that this is written is just so... Um, so cold and so distant and just so not what I would expect from teenagers at all. What I what I was gonna get into, yeah, and that that whole part of Kitty is so is so fascinating. Just her her being able to hold it together and the whole uh, the whole way Charles has them committed to the committed to the ideal of being an X Man and kind of taking the personal stuff and and throwing it off to the side, which it seems like there are a little instances of a lot of this um, in the book 
um, another one, just a brief scene. We see Rogue briefly, and uh, this may be something we revisit at some point with, with a in a previous issue, Rogue stealing Carol Danvers's powers and basically stealing her identity, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, we see her dealing with that in the danger room, and Storm is trying to talk to her, and uh, Rogue is not having it. It was such a brief interaction, but it was very explosive. Anything you took from that? No, just like I still couldn't believe that one that Rogue was had joined the X Men. Like Charles really welcomed her into the fold and pretty much told Carol to, well, you can either forgive her or leave. And Carol's like, all right, well, I'm leaving. So um, outside of that, like I just thought, like yeah, you still haven't worked um, your way into the X Men, you know, kind of family. And well, girl, I guess you're just gonna be upset. And you're lucky that Storm was there because. <laughs> She really could have just let you have it. <laughs> we we do see Storm. Um, I, I appreciate how she was able to kind of um, even be a calming presence at least for mm-hmm. a little bit. Even though Kitty was hurting, she decides to leave leave the the mansion and go off on her own for a little bit. Um, always Storm. We obviously visited her last episode, but it's always so cool to see Storm just being cool as always. Yeah. Let's go to non-main character. So obviously Colossus is kind of the headliner here. I mean, I feel like this one's pretty easy. Uh, shout out to Logan for being such a dick in this in this one, but really being insightful and giving some game in that scenario. I thought like the way that he was written towards the end of this uh, of this story was really really well done, um, and he had a point. He had a really good points, and this is a dude that's been around, so mm-hmm. uh, one would think that uh, Peter should listen. This is some of the best Wolverine, um, especially in, like, the 80s, but this is, like, some of the best Wolverine I've seen uh, written. Like, Claremont was really in his bag when he wrote <laughs> Wolverine in this one because it's just so good. Like, it's the spirit of Logan. Like, the, mo- the, the, the movie or whatever, like, it's, it's really kind of tonally that in a way that um, you get this wise Wolverine that he's been around for a long time and he's showing that in this lesson because even though he sits and he lets <laughs> Colossus get his behind whoops mm-hmm. it's still done in that I guess loving father type of way um, like I see that you're going to have to learn this lesson physically for you to actually get it or whatever and then also to see him being so protective of kitty like I, I that really touched me like i really i really love that and it because i'll bring it up because the 20th anniversary just passed but for the first x-men movie um i was talking to someone i was like hey you know i really wish that instead of rogue they would have put kitty pride like in that role like Instead of yeah. Rogue, that would have been Kitty Pride because, you know, he's the kind of like that father figure to her in there. So I think people kind of forget, like, their relationship and how good Kitty and um, Logan's relationship is. So um, this was just a really good reminder of that, too. Yeah, absolutely. And it's there's just a certain text here that, especially at the end, where, where, where 
Wolverine is just like listing all of the things that an X-Men is supposed to do and Colossus is saying yes to all of it and then he hits him with the like Kitty did for you she's 14 Peter but to save you she agreed to marry Caliban and join the Morlocks if Caliban hadn't released her from that vow she'd be there today you never even said thank you food for thought huh I was like I mean, that is chef chef kisses fingers because it's like it's it's one of those things that in a lot of ways we as as human beings tend to be just so inward and we think about ourselves so automatically that's like the first thing normally in those instances and and Colossus was just kind of viewed as that and even in the way that he was honest at the outset of this story um it just lacked the empathy that you would like to see from him and somebody as hard and as difficult as Logan actually is he is explaining literally all of these things and it was such a such a well done uh, soliloquy on that subject and it kind of, it was a perfect way to kind of end uh, that particular story as Colossus is left uh, with his thoughts and, and, it, and you wonder if it was just hopefully meant to make him think that hey yeah sure it's it's cool to be honest about things but you know it's the selfishness and the and the lack of not being selfless in in an instance and yeah you could break up with somebody but it's the way that you go about it um is important for the after effects because you're affecting another person's life Absolutely, because I don't know how many times I can bring this up, but like she's fourteen. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, um, and I, I can't even see somebody that is in their thirties or forties being able to take that level of brutal honesty, so honest that it just lacks any type of warmth. You would think that they had never had any kind of feelings, uh, or he had never had any feelings, um, genuine feelings about her, and it just kind of sucks too because. Peter was I'm not Peter, but wait, Klaus's name is Peter, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Okay, so all right, <laughs> <laughs> you're good money. <laughs> so, um, but Peter was the one that kind of like pursued her or whatever when they when she first got there. You know, they they flirted. She was really good friends or really is really good friends with his sister, and they all just kind of bonded. So to have him be that cold to her, um, it hurt. Like I went through so many emotions through this uh, while reading this, and you know you hate to admit like yeah, comics can make you emotional, but they absolutely can. Um, because it was so real, uh, so well done. I I felt whatever Kitty was feeling like I felt that like I felt like somebody had ripped my heart out and like stumped on it and then handed it to me and said here my bad I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, and and I thought that they delivered the message so well overall. And you kind of see the after effects, um, uh, after effects in that. So let me ask you: Can this story translate from page to screen? And before you answer, I'm gonna just quickly say no, not at all, because I don't think. I think the way that not only TV but movies kind of do romance for the most part. They're not willing to go out on the limb and be honest. I think a lot of a lot of these things have become formulaic. It's very difficult to actually get something so organic as this was 
So just personally for me, I I don't think they could tell a story like this. I don't think they got the guts to tell a story like this. How about you? Um, no, I I don't think that they could. If 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 they did, it would have to come after maybe two or three other movies. Yeah. Um, the intimacy that is in this comes with like knowing these characters um, so well that again when Colossus is telling this to, to Kitty like you feel like your heart is being ripped out um, and that would only work if tonally everything has already been set for these characters you know what you know we know what everything is but to have this play out even in a first movie if there's been 45 minutes of getting to know these characters it's just yeah. it just wouldn't translate like you need that you need that intimacy that this provides. Maybe a TV show, but a perhaps, movie, no. Perhaps on the CW, where they tend to do that type of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, was there was there something that you didn't like uh, about this book? Um, yes, but it's more so me and not necessarily the book itself, because okay. there is like some stuff going on with Mystique. Uh, that you oh, see yeah. for like one or two pages and then yeah. um Celine comes back at the end not that I did not like that but um it just felt like I don't know we needed all this like y'all could have saved this for the next issue and then we could have just gotten um maybe a couple more pages of um, Colossus and Juggernaut fighting or a little bit more of Dad Wolverine mm-hmm. or you know something involving Kitty but if that's just I mean, it's more so me than anything. Because also, I didn't realize that uh, Celine had been in the bar the whole time while they were yeah, fighting. With juggernaut actually, yeah, flirting with, <laughs> with Juggernaut or whatever. And well, she got the other guy, so she got what she came for. So, so question: I don't know much about Celine. Who, who is she? Like, what is what's her backstory? So, Celine, um, for. What I know, because I don't know a lot about Celine, but enough um, that whenever I've seen her, it's been in comics with like Mr. Sinister or uh, Misfito. So mm-hmm. she's kind of like this. Is Celine a witch? Mm, okay. I don't think Celine is a witch, but like she's like when you when I whenever I see her, I think Hellfire Club because um, that's another that's another crew that she runs with, but. Um, she's just somebody who has just been given the X Men problems, just to just just for the hell of it. Got you, <laughs> got you there. It, now, if you wanted to, if you wanted to make a twist on, on on this, is there something that you would change, um, or, or you would add if you wanted to add something uh, with your particular uh, skill set? No. Okay. Um, I felt like again, I I don't know how we keep picking these issues where we really don't need to like yeah. add too much. We're gonna have to change it. We're gonna have We're to gonna get have... problematic, man. <laughs> we are gonna have to get problematic, <laughs> but um, no, I wouldn't change anything. Like this is just when I think of perfect comic issues, this one is is gonna work its way onto my list because I it's just so good. Yeah, but. Yeah, that's, and that's so funny because like it, it's interesting to kind of revisit something that you read when you were so young, didn't understand it, and just saw the fight scene and was just like, okay, this is really cool, really enjoyed this. But you read it now and it's like, okay, you get that, and just I feel so much more enriched having read this again and kind of understanding 
the 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 whole story and what it meant, and it, and then also allowed me to go back to previous issues and uh, check a little bit on what happened with Rogue and uh, check on what happened with Colossus and uh, what the X Men were doing prior to this issue. And man, it's just it's just tremendous that they were able to to figure that out in such a in such a really really interesting way. Um, was there anything else that that uh, you took out of this um, in terms of story or just in terms of where um, the story eventually ends up going? Because I don't really know. Like, um, I would have to go back and read even more of this because it, it, that's the one thing that it did make me do. It made me want to go back and kind of just read um, almost from the beginning and, and uh, see where it takes me. Because when you get stories like this, it just makes you wonder uh, where this eventually end, ends up. And here's a better question. How would you compare something like this to uh, something that I haven't read yet, which is uh, House of X and Powers of X? Ooh, um, that's a good one. I would rate this a... Hmm. It's not me. Okay, so I'm going <laughs> to be diplomatic and say that I would rate it up there with it. Um, and that's only because, yeah, I don't, because House of X and Powers of X still hasn't sat with me long enough. I do really love that, um, just everything that it, it's doing for the X-Men in the newer books. But um, this just kind of reminded me of the 80s X-Men and why I ended up falling in love with them to begin with. And then going back and knowing them other time periods. So, um, I'm going to rate it up there with that. If okay, not bet. above. Bet, bet. And so, like, on uh, on that note, so what what do you have for us next? You're picking next. Uh, do you have a story that uh, we're going to look at in the, in, in, uh, the next episode? Mm-hmm. I do. So, um, I would like us to go over um, the amazing uh, Spider-Man or the Web of Spider-Man 300. It's the story of Peter and um, Venom. Okay. Uh, yeah, like their first little standoff, and it's the one that we got the raggedy scene for uh, the raggedy scene of in oh. Spider-Man Three. Um, but I'm picking this one for a couple for several reasons um, because there are some problematic things that happen, but they're kind of entertaining depending on your uh, perspective. So um, that's the one that we're gonna go over. Okay, definitely looking forward to that. And before we go. Uh, Steph, where can we follow you and um, any updates on what you're doing with Living Heroes uh, uh, further as as we get closer to seeing more of the book? Oh, yeah. So you all can follow me um, at Steph underscore uh, I underscore Will at, on Twitter and I have a link tree in my bio where you can find everything else that I'm doing. Um, as far as Living Heroes today, I got some uh, sketches back from the artist for the next uh, script that she's doing, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but like, it's <laughs> funny, and I mean like, <laughs> I mean that in a very genuine way. Like, I cracked myself up while I was reading, even though I wrote it. But um, Erin's ability to really nail what I'm going for and her comedic timing in her art just goes just meshes so well like this thing really reads like a, a sitcom and oh. that's exactly what I wanted um, and it just kind of like reminded me like wow you huh, you watch a lot of TV huh because it's coming through so 
there are some classic sitcom elements to it that I see that are appearing and then also like, you know, newer stuff. So um, it's going well. I'll be sharing, you know, panels and pages as they come um, to not reveal too much. But I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. And I just can't wait for it to be done. Yeah, w- wonderful news. Um, so, so quick question is, who's the who would we call the Overton of uh, Living Heroes? Oh, that is Sam Wilson. And, okay. Uh, <laughs> and Aaron has told me that the Sam Wilson that I've written makes her like Sam Wilson because I guess she didn't really like him before, and quiet is kept. I didn't either. But um, just Sam Wilson, <laughs> she's like, I actually love him now, so I get very sad now when I remember. Sam Wilson is not written this way in the comics and I'm like well I don't know maybe if somebody at Marvel uh, reads Living Heroes because I know somebody has to have been nosy enough to see what I was doing with their IP um, hopefully they see it and they say huh you know what I actually like Sam Wilson now so let me call her up to write a Sam Wilson book you know it's funny I, I haven't um I haven't particularly read on the old Falcon stuff. I want to get Ooh. into that for Falcon uh, and the Winter Soldier. But um, it's interesting. I, I saw this storyline where Sam Wilson was actually a pimp at one time. Okay, so I have... You know what? I'm glad that you, you mentioned... I said that so you could mention that because I actually have an issue in mind that involves uh, Sam, T'Challa, and Steve. So I can't wait for... I absolutely cannot wait oh, for you to man. read that one. I get Captain America um, and Falcon is like next to X Men. Those books are like second <laughs> nature to me because they're just so. I don't even know how to describe them, but we're gonna have fun when we tackle that. Oh man, for sure, for sure. And obviously, you can you can follow me on Twitter at AC Spotlight nine five. Follow the show at MC University Pod. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, we'll continue to be doing these these comic book shows. Um, we'll try and get more problematic as we go along. But also, like it's really cool to go through some of the the more well done, uh, better issues and get the good out of the way before we get to the uh, the dirt and the scrunch. Looking really looking forward to doing that. Uh, for for Stephanie Williams, I'm Anthony Kantz on the third. This is Marvel Did What Episode Three. We'll be back next time. Good stuff. Bye.